Hello there. You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. <laughs> We're delighted that you're joining us for this week's discussion where Charles nearly forgot to unmute himself. <laughs> I tried clicking the unmute button and it just failed me. <laughs> 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 we, we've all been there i feel like COVID is a time for every couple of weeks it's just like you're muted <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> tumbling tumbling it really is yep <laughs> it's a good thing do you, either of you have any fun or embarrassing or just interesting technological mishap stories of the past year of our lives that we've spent mostly over screens uh, yeah, I was in a meeting and I think the classic, so recently I got into a project manager kind of position at my job and I only had my top half um, dressed for work as they say. It was a real business casual kind of combo. There you and, go. Polo and shorts. <laughs> and I swore that I turned my camera off. Ooh. I didn't. And then I got up and I mean, I wasn't, it wasn't embarrassing for me. I just wasn't, you know, I was wearing, you know, just, just short, short shorts, <laughs> just shorts, short, short, just, shorts. you know, shorts <laughs> that I was comfortable in at home that were good pajama kind of shorts. <laughs> were, were they shorts or That's were all. they short, short shorts? <laughs> How short were the short shorts? Yeah. <laughs> Just imagine people in your office. Oh, I want a pair of Daisy Dukes. That's uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, nothing like that. <laughs> oh God, no, nothing like that. <laughs> Charles, delete this. <laughs> no, leave it in. Leave it. In. I don't know if there's any that I can remember from my job. Sandy's had quite a few. Not like her, but just people she works with. Um, who are some of them? not to bag on like older people, but are just older. Um, and like doing the technology for over a year has been tough for them. So I think she said once they were doing a game, they're doing a Kahoot. So they were doing a Kahoot and like, at, there's like music that plays. And I think she said there's this one woman who did led the Kahoot and left that tab open. So the music just kept playing. And then when they tried to move on to the next thing, the, the same woman was like, someone still got the game up. And I was like, nah, Fran, that's you. <laughs> that's that's your screen you need, to, you need to close that tab man that wasn't even our question of the week that's not even the question for this episode we're we are ahead of the game um if you would like to submit a question for us to answer during this segment you can email us anytime at three guys at the well at gmail.com that's the number three then guys at the well all one word in lowercase at gmail.com this question gentlemen is to so we we live simple lives here at the well. Um, ooh, Eli's a bit bougie. I'll, I'll, I'll amend. All right. Eli's a bit bougie, <laughs> but we all live simple lives here. But I want you to, I want you to just dream with me for a bit, and describe, describe, Jeez, oh, Pete, describe your dream holiday or vacation. If money was no limit, if you could do anything for vacation, what would that vacation be? And why, and, and, and I, I better be invited. I'm just going to put that out there now. I better be invited. Our friendship is on the line. What do we think? 
I don't think you're going to be invited to one particular aspect of of my vacation because I want to I want to like snorkel or scuba dive. Um, and you can I invite me. I'll just decline. Oh, okay, okay. I see. <laughs> I gotcha. Um, I think it comes to no surprise that it will involve multiple rounds of golf. Um, I don't think that comes as a surprise to anybody. Stay on brand. <laughs> Trell's losing it. He just spit out his drink. (laughs) It's like a drink, right? When you said that. (laughs) Wrong pipe. Uh, Glad I could amuse you. Um, But yeah, I think it would be a mix of like fun activities, like, you know, snorkeling or scuba diving, golf, um, and like doing nothing and eating good food. Yeah, in some exotic location. I mean, I'm a simple man. You said it. I don't, I'm, doesn't take much for me to be, to enjoy a vacation. So, um, but in case, in case anyone didn't know, golf is an expensive sport. So if money's no object, I'm going to play lots of golf. Um, I want to go to Rome. Um, I went to architecture school. And I went to architecture school and almost everybody went to Rome. It's, it is the place you go to when you're an architect planner. I mean, Europe just in general is so much history. Um, and I want to go, I, I, I've, I've had vacations, a few, a few, not a whole bunch, um, but like where I've just sort of sat and lounged and I don't want to do that. I want to like wander and discover stuff for myself and I want to I want to run into a really cool hole in the wall that's got amazing food and and I want to the only language the only other language other than English I speak is French so maybe I want to go somewhere in France but like I want to go somewhere where like I can participate in the life more than just being a tourist um because tourists get made fun of (laughs) I don't want to be I don't want to be made fun of I don't think I'd be allowed back in France if I ever want (laughs) Like, oh, you're coming. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Ooh, you and God. the dog. He, no, he's not invited. He's not invited <laughs> under any oh. circumstance. Um, no, he doesn't get a vacation. He, he needs to get a job before he gets a vacation. <laughs> That's a good, I think, I mean, you're an architect, so you under, Rome for me would be cool, but I'd imagine as an architect, it'd be even more so in like just the context of of everything i I, i'm pretty simple as well i i would want to go somewhere in europe because i've never been um so honestly probably scotland like i'd want to go with um my brother-in-law jack and uh, his wife rachel uh because jack's from scotland and i would i would i would want to get some time with just sandy but i would love to just go with both of them and have jack show me around because yeah, it sounds it's a beautiful place, um, and it would just be a cool thing to see and to to hang out with with both of them. Um, so yeah, so probably Scotland and bring Jack and Rachel with us, and Eli and Charles. Um, not the dog; he can stay home. The passage for this week is from First John chapter three, verses one through ten. This is our back to basic season as we walk through each verse in First John together. So we're looking at First John chapter three, verses one through ten. If you have your Bible and you aren't driving, you can start turning there now while I set the scene. 
In light of continued strain put on the body of Christ by false prophets, John continues his attempts to keep the children of God from deception by outlining what our actions reveal about the state of our hearts and object of our loyalty. In this passage, he also elaborates on the transformative nature of God's love, which has the power to purify the sinful hearts of men and mold us all into his image. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither, know, has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Gentlemen, what can we take from this passage in 1 John? So just how he starts off, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. <clears throat> so like John is immediately at this part in his portion of his letter, like just marveling at the love God displayed through Jesus and what it means for our identities, right? Like we have to remember John in, in our previous episode, John's just finished talking about loving the ways of the world and the coming antichrists and all this lying and deceiving that goes on and that threatens believers. Um, but ultimately, because of Jesus, we go from being God's enemies to being God's children. And so there's this massive uh, shift that takes place in who we are. Um, ultimately, like the, the broken, ungodly, um, and foolish ways the world can only produce enemies of God because of the ways of the world, because the ways of the world encourage independence from god um i think we even hear it in like secular rhetoric today uh, uh, don't rely on god he's not reliable he's not real he's not good he's not almighty he's not loving look at all this stuff we're look at all this look at how inconvenient the world is to us look at how challenging it is on and on and on we hear these things um but he continues to write therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him and so it speaks of like again because our identities rely on who god is when god is not acknowledged neither are neither are his children or his kin and so it speaks to this new space that is made between us and the world and there's this very divergent sort of um fork at the road uh that comes about uh, i love i'm falling more and more for this letter because uh, it's super convicting. I think you mentioned this in, in the last talk, Terrell. Like, this is 
really convicting because this is so much of the gospel wrapped up into a very brief letter. Yeah, I was struck by that first verse as well, um, that God so loved the world, um, so loved us, that the creator, you know, God as our creator, calls us his creation, his children. And I, I read that, and as I prayed through this, this particular section of the letter, I realized that that is incredibly special. There is no other creation, creator, creator, created thing relationship like this, where a created thing can say, I am a child of the, the one who created me outside of Pinocchio. Um, but, you know, that's a fairy tale. So um, <laughs> that notwithstanding that, you know, there that doesn't take away. Thank you for, for making the the addendum of Pinocchio <laughs> notwithstanding. <laughs> You're such a dad. <laughs> such a dad now. <laughs> that actually I I mean, I have to be honest, that thought while I'm praying and being astounded by that truth, that thought came into my head. And I was like, well, yeah, okay, yeah, there's Pinocchio. That's a thing, but um <laughs> Thank, thank you for protecting the hardcore Disney fans of our, our listenership. We're like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> there was Pinocchio. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Um, but there, I mean, it's a beautiful point, nonetheless, um, that I think is, uh, again, I think John is trying to uh, kind of highlight this, like, we are God's children. Um, and yeah, it is, I think he highlights the beautiful relationship there, um, that the created things, us as humans, um, have the ability out of, because of God's love for us, the creator can be called children of him who created us. Yeah. And again, echoes back to John's writings in John chapter one, um, where he talks about the people who God has bestowed on the right to become children of God, who are not born of flesh or the will of men, but like by the will of God. And just like the idea that God claims us as his own, as his children, very intentionally in this idea that like no one is a mistake, but he removes the idea of like, oh, it's just of like it being the will of men or anything else and says like, no, these are my children. Yeah. I, I, I'm getting, so much out of just how John's letter here mirrors back to the, his writings. And we keep referencing it, but it, it's one of those things that is really uh, affirming and really cool to see um, as like, yeah, the same dude clearly wrote both of these. Um, and to be able to make those connections just as like layman and by no means biblical scholars has been a really cool thing to see and to see what that reflects about John's character and what he believed and knew about Jesus has been immensely uh, helpful and just eye-opening um, and specifically about just what it means to be children of God. I So the thing that really jumped out to me as I was uh, reading through this was in verse eight. So he says, he who sins of the devil for the devil is sin from the beginning for this purpose, the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Um, and like, I, I don't, I don't think that we often 
go hard enough in describing just what the cross was and what the cross is. And this verse puts it, I think, in really good context. Like for this purpose, the son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. And it's easy for us in, I think, in various walks of life, whether it be temptation, whether it be uh, hopelessness or strain brought on by the world to see the darkness around us, to see the works of the devil very evidently and give them more power than their due. And to not remember that Jesus came not just to like push those back for a time, not just to, you know, give us hope in the midst of it, but to utterly destroy the works of the evil one. Like, I don't think that, at least I don't think about and claim that power that Jesus has won for us as children of God nearly as much as I should. Um, that he came purposefully, like, to seek and save the lost, to, like, preach hope to the oppressed, and also to wreck the works of the devil. And like, that's what the cross symbolizes, like the ultimate victory of it is finished. And while we still may on this side of heaven, be aware of it and reckon with it and be tempted by it or what have you in different ways, like, you know, Jesus did the work uh, to destroy that work ultimately. And so there is something that I think that, and maybe it's just me, but I think that as believers, we kind of hang our heads at times when it comes to works of the evil one and kind of subject ourselves like well it's just it's just kind of what it is but no like jesus came for the purpose of destroying those works and he did it um and gives us ultimate victory over those things so while we fight again be it temptation or just the concerns of the world we should do so and never fail to do so in the knowledge that the and it's something that's been said a lot the battle is won and like victory has been assured. Um, and that should be leading our thoughts as we um, go into moments we were talking about in the last episode of being either tempted by the lust of the eyes, flesh and pride of life, going forward with the knowledge of like game over, like Jesus has already won it. I need to walk in his victory um, because it's already happened. And I I don't know. There's a lot. I, there's a lot more to it than that, but I, I don't know. That's really stuck out to me. If God just can kind of live like the battle is won because it has been. I love that, Terrell. I'm trying to figure out who said it. Whether it was one of you two, I think it was maybe one of you two, or somebody from my church. I don't know. But the words as you were speaking, um, already not yet, came to mind. Like we are constantly as believers towing the line of the battle has already been won, and yet we are not yet exposed to the victory in full. Like we don't see that we live in between that. Um, and so we like live trusting that because God sent his son, he died for us, like actually took on sin was punished severely. Like God threw his full wrath at his son and was pleased to crush him for our sake. And it was resurrected. Like, that's the that's the completion that we run the race toward um and have hope in um and so like as we're going through um john's letter as he speaks to the brokenness in the world as he speaks to who we are in the midst of the brokenness and how we're not supposed to be deceived out of our faith 
by those who are still influenced by brokenness. Um, and then now, as he's digging into our identities as children of God, he's also dipping into like, okay, well, what is that? What's an implication? Like, how do we then relate to sin? And in verses four through six, he wrote, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested, obviously referring to Jesus, to take away our sins. And in him, there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. And as I was reading this, it's in passages like these that I think um, we can be presented with quite a hurdle unless there's more explanation. If I explain this poorly, please support me in this. Um, but like, we would be hard pressed to find uh, a Christian who did not sin in thought, word, or deed after their conversion, right? It's not like you do this like complete and total 180 where like your actions are suddenly perfect after you've um, understood who Christ is and believe him. Um, and it's in this paradox that people, both disciples of Jesus and people who aren't disciples, struggle with what it means to be an authentic Christian. Because you can, if you see yourself sinning, or if you see someone who claims to be a Christian, you're and they're sinning, and you see them in that snapshot of their life, you think, well, they're either a complete and total hypocrite, um, and their faith is inauthentic, or, and and there's just like no hope for me. Like, what what do we say? Um, and we ask, am I able to fall into sin and, and be a Christian? And my, my pastor frequently repeats this. He says, Jesus was and is perfectly sinless so that we could imperfectly sin less. From a number of conversations and sermons that I've either heard from or I had for, with him one-on-one, uh, I've learned that the, the, the goodness, holiness, and righteousness of the Son perfectly lived out is attributed to those who genuinely believe that Jesus is the obedient son of God who was sent to die for all sinners who succeeded in doing so and who was resurrected by the power of his own spirit. And so for disciples, for believers, sin no longer makes up the patterns and habits of our lives because we cling to that as truth above everything else. Um, for those of us who are thoroughly convinced by the gospel of Jesus Christ, we no longer find our purpose, joy, rest, fulfillment, and, sa and salvation in sinful things. We root all of those things in God now, in his son now, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And so when I read, whoever abides in him does not sin, what I read is their life does not add up to relying on, on sinfulness, sinful patterns to get to the finish line. I hope that made sense. I'm glad you spoke on that because my question was going to be, how, what do we do with verse six? Yeah. It's one of those verses. It's kind of right. just like hits you and you're like, oh, um, I what don't do, I do with that. Yeah, exactly. I think you spoke into that very well and recognizing, I think we said in the last episode, like what the better part is and recognizing that where our salvation and our, uh, sustenance comes from. So yes, thanks for thanks for beating me to the punch on that. Yeah, and maybe um, I I wrote something on this verse as well. Um, I, I read there. some some Bible commentary, and like I think you expound on it beautifully. But the only thing I might add is um, to to what you said, Eli, is that um, the way I I you know I when I read about this, 
um, John talks a lot about abiding, right? We, we talked about the last podcast. And I think it's not explicitly said, but from your explanation, we can kind of infer that he is talking about not abiding in sin. Um, that, you know, no, it's no one who abides in him abides in sin. And so there's this um, idea of, hey, you said this very well. I don't know a Christian who, or a follower of Jesus who, after having a conversion experience, like no longer sinned. Um, it's, and holiness isn't about perfection. Um, but I love what your pastor said. Say it again, Eli. What did your, your pastor say? He says, uh, Jesus was and is perfectly sinless so that we can imperfectly sin less. Imperfectly sin less. And I think built into that, that's a great phrase. I think built into that is, um, the mentality of of repentance uh, you know we will continue to sin and hopefully we sin less but in that it, it necessarily is the idea that we need to repent we need to be reconciled and not abide in um, the wrongdoing um, so i think that's part of what we could kind of take verse six and say no one who abides in him abides in their sin without repentance maybe that's an excellent addition. Um, and <clears throat> again, speaks to just the idea that yet you're not looking for sustenance or the be all and all like through like sinful means, but recognizing there is more and there is the ability to turn from that. Um, absolutely. Yeah. I think that I, I'm really, praise be to God, that you both like independently decided, yeah, we should speak on this verse. Cause that's the one that I was like, Ooh, I don't, I don't really know what to do with that. I feel like I, John's coming really hard at me for some reason, and I need to just speak on it. But thank you for that. I think it's a blessing. It's been a blessing to me. I'm sure it's a blessing to our our listeners as well. Yeah, I think I think ultimately, like if you look at the illustration, the the narrative of Genesis in the beginning, God made people to depend on Him, and God gave us His Son so that we could do the same thing, like. God wants us to depend on him. And I'm so happy that you mentioned uh, repentance, Charles. Like it is this constant pivoting away from sin and pivoting toward into towards God. And it's like, God wants us to once again, depend on him in and for our salvation. Um, it's like, yes. So, so to the Christian who's been a Christian for years, who's believed, who believes in Jesus and who finds himself in a season of just like, feeling distant from God and behaving in a way that reflects that distance. Maybe you have stumbled into a, a pattern of sin again, like repent because God wants you to depend on him again. He wants you to know him again. He wants you to see him as value, valuable and to treasure him again above the thing that you're seeking satisfaction and that will only earn you death. Like I've said it before, but like God loves us to death back to life we're supposed to be depending on God. Like I, I, too often, I think, and maybe this, it's not just an American thing, but we see maturity as being self-sufficient and growing into this independence from everyone around us. But like, that's actually not what Christian maturity is. Christian maturity is depending completely and utterly on God. Um, and so God is, was never going to give us um, a salvation that somehow is apart from him that mm -hmm. says, oh, you get to be self-sufficient. You get to not do any 
wrong now and you get to just be good and not do anything related to me anymore. No, I'm going to offer you a salvation that is rooted completely in my son, that depend that depends completely on what my son did, not on how you do. Like, yes, I'm, yes, being a Christian is a call to change and 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 it has many good works as a part of it. Like we do good works, we do good things. Our life does change and good works are a part of a healthy faith. Mm-hmm. But to say that our that our salvation somehow depends solely on our on our good works and our good behavior and our not sinning is to demean the necessity of who Jesus is. Mm. Like it's it's the main character of our lives, of your life listener is not you. It's Jesus. Mm. Um and I think God wants to make that abundantly clear. Like, no, no, no. The main character of the of the Bible is my son, is me. Like, the main character of your life is me. And when you stop believing in this worldly rhetoric that says you are the author of your own story, that frees you up to um, separate yourself from a world that is that is going to pass away, mm-hmm. and frees you up to have access to a life that is absolutely eternal. Um, independency in christ amen uh, thank you for for preaching to us there for a bit and like it's again it's like the more we think of jesus as fully god and fully man and the person uh, that he was and is um i think the more context is given to the things that he says and the things that are said about him and that like if you like if a friend asked you for advice on something and they were pursuing something that you knew for a fact would not work would not be sufficient you would pretty aggressively turn them away from it and turn them towards something that is more sufficient and like with Jesus like you said Eli I think he so much of who God is is like trying to like make abundantly clear that he and his son are the only things that are sufficient and that comes out of like God's zealousness for us comes out of knowing that he is it and knowing that he himself and only him and only the sacrifice of his son is it. Like one of my favorite passages in scripture is like Joshua 24, 15, but everything that comes before it, because it's when they're passing over to the promised land and Joshua says like, you know, choose this day who you will serve. Like as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. And he lists everything that God did up until that point as a way of saying like if you're not convinced yet I don't know what to tell you but God is it because of all of these things and more God is it and I like see so much in John's writing so much of like that kind of zeal that was in Joshua and like the confidence in which Jesus spoke of saying like in what John says like he like Jesus saying and he who has me has the father like I've seen things here and there of people who get turned off to Christianity because of the exclusive, the exclusivity of Jesus Christ being the only way to heaven. Um, and I, I don't know what it is like specifically to struggle with that. Um, but I do know that God is, he's not just content in being enough and being exclusively and explicitly through the sacrifice of his son, the only thing that is enough. He's not just content in that but he is so, so willing to show us that he is. He is so, so willing in our day-to-day to to show us that he is always the better part. 
Um, and so I guess if for anyone who, who is listening, who for them, that is a stumbling block and the idea that like either sufficiency outside of self or sufficiency just in this guy, Jesus, who died thousands of years ago is something that you struggle with and something that you see is like, well, how can he be the way to heaven? How can he and he alone be the way to eternal life? Uh, I want to encourage you to give that over to the Lord in prayer and to pray something as simple as God, show me, show me your worth and your sufficiency in my life. I, I can't speak to exactly where you are. I can't speak to exactly what the Lord will do. Uh, but my experience of the Lord is that he, he loves, he loves to show how sufficient he is. He loves to prove that he is the better part. He loves not to be challenged in an arrogant way, but for people to come to him in vulnerability and in genuineness and with that, with their full heart and say, I'm, not sure and he throughout scripture makes a point to be like fine i'll show you then and so i don't know what that means for you i don't know um how the lord will speak to you but i do know that he loves to show himself sufficient and he would love to do so in your own life so that is something that you're struggling with um bring that to him and email us so that we can pray for you because i know that god would love to show off to show you how good he is and that's all for this week Thank you so much for listening. You can check us out at, at thewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes just about every Monday on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook by searching Three Guys at the Well. And if you want even more content and would like to help this podcast grow, consider becoming a patron and head over to patreon.com forward slash at the well for exciting new bonus content like our hope series, Jesus in the movies. We've got an episode about Moana that we posted recently and our new series on justice. It's going to be a great one. We'll talk to you next week here at the well.